You know, according to um, recent Barna and Pew Research uh, statistics, uh, of the Americans who consider themselves Christians, at least 45% of them say that they pray at least once a week. Now, I, that doesn't sound real great, does it? Now, I know it's a little higher in the Bible Belt area, not a lot higher. But uh, that's really a sad statistic because 10 years ago, it was 70%. Once a week? You kidding? <laughs> Obviously, most Christians are not considering prayer as a very, very central component of their walk with God. Uh, what's interesting, though, in all these questions they ask, it's not so much how much they pray as why do they pray and what do they pray for. Those are real interesting. Do you know that the statistics show that the thing that people pray for the most is safety, especially on a trip? The second thing would be health. Now, we can definitely understand that. And then the third thing are various unexpected situations that arise. I think that would be called panic prayer, you know. We all know what that's like too. Now, stats don't reveal this, but I am very confident that this, the prayer frequency is the highest in Alabama uh, in the fourth quarter on fourth down. No doubt in my mind. Seriously, though, wh why people pray reveals a whole lot about the spiritual condition of our hearts. Why do they pray? Now, it's okay to pray for anything. Uh, it's okay to pray for anything and everything. But sometimes prayer is not a conversation with God. Sometimes prayer is just words that we, that we say because we're thinking out loud and we just want to say them to somebody. So why not to God? There are a lot of different prayers, forms. Uh, they come in a lot of different ways. Like, for instance, walkie-talkie prayers. H have, you ever, um, have you ever communicate with someone with a walkie-talkie and they don't know how to use it? What they do is they mash the, the speak button the whole time. So you're trying to say something back, but they've got their talk button down, and they do all the talking and you don't have anything to say. That's a lot of prayer for a lot of folks. It's just, a, just I'm just going to talk to God and tell him stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking with God. But it's not a one-way conversation. It's not a monologue. Then there are those prayers we call precautionary prayers. <laughs> you know, they're a prayer is needed to keep bad stuff from happening. You know, it's sort of like a good luck charm, like rubbing a, a rabbit's foot or or crossing your fingers just to, to ward off an unwanted outcome, like, oh, Lord, please let the questions on this test be easy. Or, Lord, please let this date I'm going to go on go perfectly. Or, Lord, please don't let my hair frizz. Real deep things. Lord, please realign the stars for me, just in case I'm going to do this prayer. I, I have a little cousin when he was a little kid he was called on to pray at a family gathering he's called on to pray the blessing over the food and and he said 
God is great. God is good. Let us thank you for our food. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Whew, that covers it. And I sort of think sometimes in prayer that's what people do. They're just trying to cover the bases just to make sure bad things don't happen. And then there are those safe and controlled prayers. You know, we see prayer as a way to handle the little things while we trust in, oh, science and medicine and doctors and counselors and psychiatrists to handle the really big stuff. Wow. Don't step out on a limb now and pray for a miracle. That might get a little uncomfortable. Safe and controlled prayers. You don't want to be radical, you know. And then, of course, there are the SOS emergency prayers. We all know what that's about. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with praying during an emergency. Everybody does it, and you should. SOS emergency prayers are great. But if prayer is nothing more than a Hail Mary uh, last shot to try to win the game kind of thing, what are we accomplishing? Prayer is not just for emergencies. When I read the New Testament... I don't see a church in the New Testament that was a 45% prayer per week bunch of folks. You know what I see? I see a vibrant community of people whose lives have been transformed and prayer is a very central part of their very existence. Like they can't do without it. On, on a daily basis, on a almost hourly basis, prayer is that part of their life. It was more important than provision. It was more important than safety. It was more important than anything. It was, it was the most important thing of all to communicate with God. And that has to do with the big stuff and the little stuff. We're about to move into this 21 days of fasting and prayer. And uh, I hope the series that we have that we start today will be able to... Uh, broaden your resolve to, to be a person of prayer. I hope that's true for everyone at Kingwood today and everyone online listening as well. We really want that to happen. We're entitling it Unlimited Prayer. We really want to see the incredible power of God expressed and unleashed through prayer that has no limits. We're the ones that put limits on prayer, not God. We're hoping to help unlock the God, uh, God's truth about prayer, learning how big our God is, how powerful he is, how much he loves us and cares about us, and how close he really is and wants to be with us, how prayer can affect more than your personal emergencies and personal uh, situations you find yourself in, how it can impact your family, your marriage. Your, your, your workplace, your family, your workplace, your church, your nation, and even the world. Places you'll never go, like Spain. Places you've never, how your prayers can affect all of those things. Prayer is a part of God's plan for the whole world, not just a plan for me to get some self-help. I want you to look at me for a moment. Uh, look, not, don't look at me, look with me. Sorry, to one of Paul's letters that he wrote to the church at Ephesus. He wrote this incredible prayer, and we're going to be using this prayer as a text for our entire series in January, and I just want to read it to you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people and to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever amen I'm telling you, that was a powerful prayer. That's not one of those, I'll be thinking about you. I'll keep you in my thoughts. No, that was a prayer, man. That was him praying for us. And by the way, those prayers that he prayed, that prayer, is still able to affect you today. It's the truth. Remember, the the why we pray says a lot about prayer and about our spiritual condition. Paul said... And I want you to notice the first phrase in this, in this prayer. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. The why is important. And Paul starts it with, for this reason. Well, what reason is he talking about? Well, this is in the third chapter of Ephesians. And did you know in the first, second, and most of the third chapter, Paul wrote a letter where he never corrected them, he never rebuked them, he never talked about a problem. All he did was tell how big God was. <laughs> And what God had done. He talked about being adopted into God's family. He talked about being redeemed by Jesus' blood. He talked about being given an inheritance of life and love and grace and citizenship in God's kingdom. He talked about being given Holy Spirit power. And he uses the phrase, in Christ, 35 times. I'm telling you, he had a reason to pray. His reason to pray wasn't an emergency. His reason to pray was huge. It was because he remembered, as we sang in the song, how God had pulled him out of Egypt and brought him to the promised land. What God had done. We have a reason to prayer beyond our little emergencies. Also, I, 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 I noticed in the scripture that it uses the phrase, uh, I, I bow on my knees or I, I get on my knees. You know, in early Jewish and Christian uh, um, worship, prayer was done standing up. People would stand before the Lord in prayer. And when somebody knelt, it was a, a symbol of submission and of awe and of being overwhelmed with God's presence. There were times in the scripture where the priest would be standing before the Lord and he would be knocked to the ground. There's this thing about kneeling that has to do with with a worshiper who couldn't stand upright because he was so overwhelmed with God. And that's how Paul was feeling. Paul was not just saying, I want to pray this prayer for everyone. He was going, I am overwhelmed with this. I'm on my knees right now saying, look what you've done for me. Look what you've done for me and for all of us. He was awestruck. Prayer was not just a weekly Sabbath event for Jesus. Prayer was not a thing you did at the, at the 
you know, going to church. It wasn't for Paul either. Prayer was a big deal. It was where you communicated with God. It's where you found out what God was up to and where you could fit into it. I want you to look at that verse again. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Isn't that amazing? He uses the word Father. Did you know that in the New Testament, in the teachings of Jesus, God is most often referred to as Father. Now, he's not referred to as Father because of gender. God is neither male nor female. It's not gender. It's title. Father is title. Father was the one that was the head of the family. He managed the family. He protected the family. He cared for the family. That was his, that was his job. He was the, uh, the, uh, the father was the creator of the family. He was, and, and our heavenly father is the creator of all, all the families of the earth, all of humanity. So what he's saying is, we're praying to the one that's not just our buddy up in, up in the sky, that's being Jesus, we got our own thing going kind of thing. He's talking about the creator of the universe and of every human being on the face of the earth. And we get to talk to him. Prayer, according to Paul, was grounded in the fact that God had, he was creating for himself a new people, a new humanity that was full of people that were new creations so that when the new heaven and the new earth comes the people will be ready the bride of Christ will be ready for him that's what he's talking about so why do we pray question why do we pray prayer is not about what I want but it's about what God wants for me think about that prayers not just what I want God to do. It's what God wants me to do. You know, it's a struggle sometimes to put yourself in that place. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was a struggle for him to align himself with the Father's will. Did you notice that? When he, when he got there, he said, Father, if there's any other way for me to do this other than hanging on a cross, would you please let that happen? Now, folks, that, that was a struggle. Sometimes aligning ourselves with God is a struggle, but it's worth the struggle. It's worth it. Jesus finally said, I surrender. The Bible said he knelt in Gethsemane. He was on his knees. He knelt in Gethsemane and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, Father. That's what God calls us to do. Prayer is a whole lot more about Gethsemane than it is a grocery list. And we need to think about that. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Is that how I pray? I have to ask myself, is that how I pray? I wish I could say it is, but I have a long way to go. I have a long way to go, but I want to get there. I want to get there. I want to be at that place. He has loved me. He has adopted me. He has redeemed me. He has forgiven me. He has called me. He's given me an inheritance. He's called me. And can I do anything less than do everything he wants me to do? That's, that's where I want to be in my heart. That's where I want to be. Now, how do I seek his will? 
How do I do that? How do I get to that place? I think it would be this. Just begin to make prayer a central part of your life. And generally it's not. I just told you, in America, generally prayer is not the central part. If we would make prayer the central part of our spiritual lives, we would start hearing what God has for us. Prayer is inviting God into our circumstances, into our hopes, into our dreams, into our fears, into our pain. Prayer is not working our way through a grocery list, asking God to fulfill the desires that we have, but it's, it's a way to live relationally with God, to have conversation, to live relationally with God and with people around me so that I care not only about what God's saying to me, but what God wants to do in other people's lives. I get involved in their lives in prayer as well. Intercession becomes part of how we live. Prayer is something that can happen all day long. When you wake up in the morning, when you're in the shower, when you're driving to work, when you're drinking that cup of coffee, or maybe when you're involved in the workplace, when you come home in, in the afternoon, when you sit and relax, when you get ready to go to bed, prayer is a part of all of those things and naturally comes out of the life of a believer who has a relationship with God. Hey, do you know anyone who lives in the past? Do you know anybody that just seems to always live in the past? I, I love history, and my, my mother used to say to me, Mark, you're always living in the past, because I'd go outside and dress up like a knight of the round table or something. But you know people like that? They, they, sort, of, they sort of get on your nerves if they just live in the past all the time. The truth is we all sort of every once in a while would say, I wonder if something was different. What, what, would, what would happen if I had made some different decisions? What if, what if I had gone to college instead of just gone straight to work? Or, or what if I'd taken that other job that I thought about taking? Or what if I'd married someone different? What if, what if, what if, what if? The problem with the what ifs are it's too late. <laughs> the what ifs are like over. It's too late to change those things, totally too late, because that someone else you thought about marrying is married to somebody else, and they're quite happy. And that job that you were thinking about, somebody else has filled that job. And that college degree you wish you would have gotten, if you had gotten it, it our economy probably would have made it even useless. That's how people feel sometimes. The fact is, many things in your life from your past, you cannot change at all. They're in the past, and it's just too late. But it's not too late to change everything. What if you begin changing your future today? What if? What if you started living a life totally committed to Jesus? What if you could hear the voice of God speaking to you on a regular basis? basis what if you could respond when you hear that voice on a regular basis what if you learned the secret of powerful prayer well you can what ifs from the past change nothing 
what ifs toward the present and the future can change everything. I want to do something sort of unusual here. You know that prayer that I read earlier? I'm going to reread that prayer, but I'm going to change the words. I'm not changing the scripture. I'm just changing when Paul said you, I'm going to change it to me and I. Because I want you to see what if that prayer applies to you? What if what I'm about to read actually applies to you? What could your life look like? I'm going to ask you to do me a favor, just so that we won't get distracted. Close your eyes while I pray this prayer and listen carefully. When I think of all of this, I fell to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower me with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in my heart as I trust him. That prayer could apply to you, and it does. It was a big old prayer. That wasn't in my thoughts originally. That was huge. I've got, I've got a real simple ending. I haven't given you any points. Have you noticed that? Oh, they're coming. They're going to come at you quick, but they're coming. They're waiting till the end. I want to give you. Four simple steps to help you begin the adventure of unlimited prayer. Here goes. Number one, consider the greatness of God. <laughs> Listen, you can't pray till you, you start thinking about how big the one is you're praying to. He's big. He can do anything. Did you hear that? He can do anything. He has a great plan, and he knows, and he sees everything. He can be trusted, and he's safe. I like how Isaiah put it. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases their strength. Even youths faint and are weary, and young men fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Consider the greatness of God. That's who you're praying to. You're praying to God, the, the one who can do anything. Number two, respond to his invitation to prayer. Proverbs 15, 8 says, God delights in your prayers. <laughs> you think, oh, God don't want to hear from me. Oh, yes, he does. He wants to hear from you. He delights hearing from you. He invites you to pray. He's pleased to meet with you. He longs for a conversation with you. You know, when I was in college, uh, I wanted to go on a missions trip to Saskatchewan. To Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. But I couldn't afford the plane ticket to go there. And I wanted to go so bad. And I prayed and I thought, what am I going to do? And I decided I was going to call somebody and ask them for a plane ticket. And so I prayed and said, Lord, help me get a hold of this person. And it was Frank Borman, the president of Eastern Airlines <laughs> in Miami. Frank Borman, he was an astronaut, was president of Eastern Airlines. And I thought, he's a Christian. I read in Reader's Digest that he was a Christian. So I'm going to call him and ask him for a, 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 a plane ticket. So I was in my dorm room at Sanford, and I called, and I, I called Eastern Airlines and said, could I speak with Frank Borman, please? And uh, she said, uh, just a moment. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to another person. I said, uh, I need to speak with Mr. Borman, please. And I just kept going. Who is this calling? This is Mark Sims. And I just kept going. All of a sudden, hello, this is Frank. And I thought, oh, gosh. I talked to Frank Borman. I said, Frank Borman, you don't know me. My name's Mark Sims, and I'm like 20 years old. And I want to go on a missions trip to Saskatchewan with some Christians. And I, I, can't, I can't afford it. And I was wondering if you could, if Eastern could fly me there. And he goes, I cannot believe you got to me. I said, I can't either. <laughs> and so, so I, I told him, he goes, well, Mark, I, give me your number. I'll call you back. I, I, let me see what I can do. And I got off the phone going, I'm going to Saskatchewan. <laughs> and so in about 30 minutes, the phone rings in my dorm room. And Mark, this is Frank. Hey, Frank. <laughs> he said, Mark, Eastern doesn't fly to Saskatchewan. But I tell you what, if you'll, if you'll tell me the airline, I'll get a ticket for you. Well, it just blew my mind. And then they canceled the trip. <laughs> and I'm going, Lord, why did you? And, but I want you to know something. How many times have I prayed and God had said, I got you to Frank Borman, didn't I? I can do anything. That was a faith builder for me. I didn't need to go to Saskatchewan. I needed faith. And my God got me through. You know, God wants to talk to you as much as I wanted to talk to Frank Borman. That's how much God wants to talk to you. He will help you pray too. If you'll tell him, God, I don't know how to pray, I'll, he'll help you pray. Look, here's point two. Accept his invitation to pray. Tell him, Lord, I accept this invitation. Number three, be intentional. I want to read to you Ephesians 5, 15. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. 
What I mean by be intentional is this. God invites you to pray, but you've got to make some space for God. You've got to make some space. I, Jeremy always said, if you make space for God, he'll fill it. I love it. Make space for God. We have to prioritize. Give time to prayer. It, it's, 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 it's a process that takes us a little bit of discipline. Don't, don't get mad at yourself. If you mess up and you forget one day or whatever, don't say, I'm, I've ruined it and I'm not going to try it anymore. No, just work on that. Prioritize prayer. Be intentional. Say, God, I'm going to stick to this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to you. Even when you don't feel like it, talk to him. Talk to him. Not just in emergencies. Talk to him. And here's the fourth one and the most important one. Pray and listen. I was, I was thrilled today when Austin and Say both mentioned about how they felt a call to be a missionary. Uh, I, I, I talked to them before the service about it, and they both, it was, it was because God spoke to them in prayer. Listen, if you want to know what God has for you, you got to pray. <laughs> you got you to pray, and then you got to listen to what he says. And he may speak in a lot of different ways, but you got to listen and say, oh, God, I'm going to hear you. Listen. I also liked it when, when Say was talking about uh, when she, uh, in Vienna, saying, God, I don't know how to reach all these people, these Muslims. I don't know how to reach them. And God said, take the Bible verse by verse. And she, that, God spoke to her. And she did. And you saw the result. Pray and then listen to what God says and act on it. It really does work. It really does work. I remember in, boy, I'm going way back, 1979, um, I, I, was, I was a youth pastor here. I had brown hair and um, lots of it too, all right? And um, I had taken our youth group to Six Flags over Georgia, you know, for one of those youth group things. We were there all day, just exhausted. And uh, our bus driver lost the keys to our bus. And uh, on some roller coaster or something. And, we, and so we out in the parking lot, everybody left Six Flags except the Kingwood Church bus sitting in the parking lot. I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I went to a payphone, which of course was what you had to do back then. And I started calling locksmiths. And I would call a locksmith, how much would you charge to come to Six Flags and, and whatever. And I called two or three of them and I just didn't feel, I, 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 they were too expensive. We didn't have any money. And, and I, I, finally, I called, about the fourth one I called, this guy goes, yeah, I can come. How much do you charge? And he told me, and it was more than the other guys had said, but I was desperate. And I said, okay, come. And I thought, I'll figure out a way to get money after I hang up and he's on his way. So, because I had like 40 kids uh, sitting out in the parking lot. And the Lord spoke to me and said, just go back. Uh, Tell, him to get, tell Ricky to get his guitar out, and y'all just praise the Lord. Y'all just praise and seek the Lord. And so when, when I was walking, I thought, maybe I should take an offering too. So I, I passed a hat around and said, put all your extra money that you didn't spend in the hat. How much do you think I got out of 40 people? $13. $13. It was going to cost $85 to pay this locksmith. $13. And I thought, I'm going to tell him after he cranks the bus. And if I have to leave my billfold or if I have to stay in the parking lot 
and let somebody go and come back. I'll do whatever I got to do. And so uh, they, were in the, they were there just having a great time worshiping and singing or whatever. And, I, and the guy gets the bus cranked and he said, don't turn it off. I said, I won't. I promise. He, and he left the bus cranked and, and um, he, he reached over and he started writing up his ticket or whatever. And I'm going, okay, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? You because know, it's going to look like I tricked him, which I sort of did. And, but I felt like the Lord said, I've got this handled. And he, he pulls it off. You know, it was one of those things you had a carbon copy back in the day. And he ripped it off and he handed it to me. And I looked at it, and this is what it said. Paid in full by Jesus Christ. I still have that thing, paid in full by Jesus Christ. He said, I've never seen 40 young people worshiping God in my life, and so I'm not going to charge you a dime. Of all the locksmiths I should have called, but the Lord spoke to me. I prayed, and I did what I felt like the Lord told me to do. The Lord said, go, go over there and, and have them sing, and I took an offering instead, and then didn't get a good offering, so I just let them keep singing. I did what the Lord said, and it worked. God will speak to us. I want to. I want to say something, and I want to. I want to tell you this is what I really believe strongly. Prayer is not about what we can get God to do for us. Prayer is about what He says to us. Prayer is more about what he says than what he does. So I ask you a question. Why do we pray? That tells more about us than anything. Why do we pray? Because I want to hear what God says to me. God speaks. You know what separates him from all the other gods in the world? People used to go bow down before idols and they were, they didn't say anything back. But our God actually talks back. If we'll take our finger off the walkie-talkie talk button and we'll talk and then let him talk, it'll change our lives. I want to issue a challenge. I want to issue a challenge to everyone. Today, we're going to sing a song. In fact, the worship team's coming now. We're going to sing a song that will usher us into this. I want you to say today to the Lord, God, I want to start an adventure of prayer with you that I have never done before. I want to accept your invitation. I want to pray, and I want to listen. And I'm going to learn how to listen. And I want you to unstop my ears. And I want your spirit to speak to me because when you do, it'll change everything about my future. Prayer is unlimited. And right now, this is the moment it can be unlimited for you. Those of you that are listening online, this is for you as well. This is so much for you. Prayer is unlimited. You don't have to be in a sanctuary for this to, to work in your life. Accept the invitation and ask God to unstop your ears. So you can hear what he said.